Good morning, Veritas. Uh, this week, I lost my voice, and so I've got a little tea up here. Uh, it's not a prop, it's just my tea. So, um, my name is Mark Aaron. I'm one of the pastors here, and I have the privilege of opening the Bible um, here frequently at Veritas. Uh, our other, one of our other pastors, Jeff Dodge, is up in uh, East Lansing this morning, teaching at the Commons Church, the most recent Salt Network church plant. Uh, Austin Wadlow, the pastor up there, um, we're just, uh, yeah, encouraged by what God is doing up there and look forward to hearing from Jeff maybe next week on uh, just a report on what God's doing already. The church of Christ has been born and continues to grow and bear fruit all over. Uh, if you're new to Veritas, you know that we love college students and we're passionate about reaching them with the gospel. We want to be a next generation church. We desire to plant churches all over university campuses, all over the U.S. and the world. And God is bringing revival next weekend. About uh, 3,000 college students are going to be coming to Des Moines for the SALT conference and a bunch of our students. So uh, we'll be praying for them this week. But um, that's kind of what we're about as a church. But anyway, we're going to jump right in. Um, this morning, our topic is marriage from the book of Proverbs. We're going through this series called um, on the, the wisdom literature in the Bible, in the Old Testament. So we're looking at what can Proverbs teach us about marriage? And I was telling my wife, Letha, I was like, hey, uh, she's like, what are you teaching on this week? I was like, oh, marriage. She goes, you? <laughs> Have to talk about that? Now, I know you're as shocked as I am. Uh, you're like, you're not the perfect husband? That's a, that's a total shock. Uh, yeah, I was like, what do you, who better, right, than me? Uh, it, w it wasn't exactly the vote of confidence I was looking for from her. So um, I just want to say, we are in this together. Veritas, we are in this together. We're in it to win it this morning. And so um, I want to start with a little disclaimer as we get into this topic. And it's this, Proverbs 3, 19. It says this, Proverbs 3, 19 through 20. The Lord founded the earth by wisdom and established the heavens by understanding. By his knowledge, the watery depths broke open and the clouds dripped with dew. If there's one thing you need to know about God, he is the creator and he's super smart. Like he's very smart. He invented everything that you see, touch, hear. I mean, sound waves, eyes, brains, bodies. It, like, he invented everything. And page one of this book says, in the beginning, God created. So here's a disclaimer. Here's what we're going to, just got to know this going into this topic. The Bible is, is just so abundantly clear on this. Like I said, page one, uh, Proverbs 3, we're, we're seeing that God invented the world. And so the disclaimer on our topic is that God invented men, women, and marriage between men and women. Now, some of you, I, our culture is confused on this, and maybe you're confused. Maybe you're like, I, I, I don't know if I'm positive on that. Like, where does Veritas stand on gay marriage and all that stuff? And you're like, I, I don't know about this. I kind of, you know, just checking out this whole Christianity thing. And um, I just needed you to know that this is our strong conviction on this. 
um, because it, we're putting ourselves under God's word and this is what it says. And it is our strong conviction. But for you, if you have doubts or questions, um, you're like, is it okay that I'm here? Absolutely. Come, bring your questions, your skepticism, your doubt. Um, we hope that you will, and if you're on a journey to seek truth, join us. That's the name of our church, truth. Like we're, we're trying to find it. We're trying to open God's word and find what is truth and, and where do we find it? So be on the journey with us. Uh, hopefully this is a safe place for you to, to um, express doubts and to, to um, come and, and have questions. But it is our conviction as a church from God's word that, that this is the case. God is a creator of marriage and it is between men and women. So Here's the Proverbs. Um, the, the style of this sermon is meant to kind of be in the style of the Proverbs. The Proverbs is, if you're new to this, it's like simple, practical, in your face, shoot it straight, kind of style. You know, like Solomon who wrote this is like, hey, let's not complicate it. There's two kinds of people. There's fools there's the fool and there's the wise. Two kinds of people. And the thing as you get into the Proverbs that you need to understand is he's trying to help us see that every effect has a cause. Every effect has a cause. So just like the physical universe is governed by certain laws, maybe laws of physics, laws of nature, whatever you've heard. And so guess what's gonna happen? Um, when this happens, watch this music stand and, and see what's going to happen. See what's, see this book? It's, I'm pushing this book closer to the edge. What? Why did this happen? Right? The, the effect, this book just dropped onto the ground. What, why did that happen? That's such a shock to me. And you're sitting there like, Duh, like that's one of the first things you learn as a little child is the law of gravity, right? Um, that effect had a cause. Like I'm pushing the book off the edge. That is going to happen every time. This is what Proverbs is teaching us about the moral universe. God's universe has a moral law. Moral laws that if you push them away, Things will happen. There will be consequences to your choices and your actions. And so the Proverbs is helping us to examine our lives and, and to look at our lives as observers and say, oh, maybe that's why that's happening. Oh, like when I slander people behind their backs, like I lose friends or <laughs> my marriage is in this state and Oh, maybe that's why this is happening. So this is kind of the, the style of the Proverbs. Like, yeah, you're an idiot if you do this. Okay, that's kind of the, the picture we get. Or you're wise if you do this. So here's how the notes are going to look this morning. If you're taking notes to this sermon, you're actually going to draw a picture. Okay, so in the back of your seats, there's a little uh, notes card. Or you can jot, if you have a scratch paper, you can jot this down. This is kind of the format if you could show us, it's just going to be a scale. And there are going to be six of these, okay? You're going to need to have space for six of these lines. And the 10 represents the wise. 
The minus 10 represents the fool. Okay, so are you ready for this? We're going to go through. Let's move. Proverbs 1 verse 7 says this. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. If you're taking notes, write this down. The fool on the left, minus 10, is autonomous. The wise trembles at God's word. Autonomous. Uh, auto is like self. Nomos is like law. Self-ruled. Autonomous means you are self-ruled. Nobody tells me what to do. That's minus 10. Uh, plus 10 trembles at God's word. You you know that God is infinitely smart and he has revealed himself in his word and so you order your life under what God says. So if this fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, then it's also the foundation of marriage, right? If you're going to build your life and your marriage on something, it would be the fear of God. So here's the question as you think about this scale, what kind of weight does God's word have in your life? How heavy is God's word in your life? Where do you get your opinions from? Do you make God try to fit into your brain and your world? Or do you make you fit into his world that he created? Well, how would you know this? So here's what we're going to do. After each of these points... You are going to rank yourself on the scale, okay? Now, this is kind of a self-awareness test because you're going to have to show somebody and they're going to look at it and be like, dude, you're so off. Like, you have to try to rate yourself um, for real. Now, here's the rules. Like, you can't put minus 10 for every one of them, okay? If you put that, you're just a difficult person, okay? Like, an honest, like, look, like, where... I get it, total depravity. Yeah, we'll get there. But just like, you get what I'm saying, right? Like, th hey, this is an area of my life that I'm exceptionally weak or maybe I'm, this is kind of a, I, doing okay in this. Okay, this is um, kind of a self-awareness test here. Rank yourself. Um, now, here's the thing. But can you put that up there again, uh, Melinda, that. Um, okay, fight the earth. Now, you're going to draw, you can put an X, you can put a little stick figure. You can put whatever you want, but you have to rank yourself on that scale. Where are you at? Here. Autonomous trembles at God's word. Now, fight the urge to rank the person sitting next to you. Okay? I might be a spouse, might be a roommate, someone you're in conflict with or whatever. So, you have to fight the urge to rank them or look over at what they're writing down. Okay. Um, now, here's the next thing I want you to do. Like, okay, you got to rank yourself um, and you could put like, I, I don't know if you put an X, then you, what I want you to do is I want you to put another X on the little tick mark next to it, okay, to the right. And that X or Y or whatever you decide to do, that's like the future you, okay? There's, the X is like the you now and then the future you is the one that's moving toward the 10, and the question is, and you'll be talking about this in your connection groups, what would you need to do to change in that area? 
What would you need to do to take a step? Now, you're not trying to get all the way to 10. You're just trying to get to the next one. If you're a minus eight, you're trying to get to a minus seven. What, what is that step that you need to take toward wisdom? Maybe it's, you know, I'm going to replace some of my social media and news 24-7 news cycle feed with a little bit of Bible in my life. Uh, Again, now this isn't penance. Like you're not trying to work your way out of hell. Don't go for like an hour a day. If you're not just like, maybe just open the Bible and read the proverb of the day. There's 31 days in a month. There's 31 proverbs. You're like, it's February, whatever. Just to, whatever the date is, read that proverb and write down on a little post-it or a note card, just one of those proverbs that sticks out to you. Like, I need a little bit more of this in my life. And just write it down. Put it on the dash of your car or whatever it is. Okay? The next one. Proverbs 17, 17. A friend loves at all times. And a brother is born for a difficult time. Proverbs 16, 6. Iniquity is atoned for by loyalty and faithfulness. And one turns from evil by the fear of the Lord. Both these verses are about faithfulness, about loyalty. The next part of the graph shows the fool quits easily. The wise keeps showing up. Marriage is complicated and it's not all at the same time, isn't it? It's as complex as two sinners coming together with family histories, with past hurts. They come together and they try to be one flesh. How does that work? as complex as broken people that disappoint one another, that fail each other, that hurt each other. It's that complex, but it's also as simple as you just keep showing up. Like, yeah, we're in some serious conflict right now, but the thing that keeps me going is that I'm just loyal to you. Like, I will never leave you. I am faithful to you. I'm faithful. I'm full of faith. I'm full of the belief that God is able to do anything. And also, I'm a person who keeps my word. That's how simple it is. And it says here in the Proverbs that loyalty actually atones for sin. It like covers over sinfulness. So when somebody sins against you, loyalty is able to actually kind of absorb that and cover that. I think about parents with kids, like your kids are terrible people, right? I know that, that child up here, I think Charlie was 
precious child. He's a terrible person, right? He's going to terrorize his parents at some point. And uh, well, that's kind of what we do. But faithfulness covers that. And the Proverbs actually says that a friend loves at all times and a brother is born for a difficult time. It's like, you know what? When things get hard, the loyal person is like, that's what I was born for, was the adversity. That's what I was born for, was the sickness. That's what I was born for, was the poverty. That's how simple it is. Proverbs 20 verse 6 says, Many a person proclaims his own loyalty, but who can find a trustworthy person? A vow is a public proclamation of loyalty. Many people proclaim loyalty, like everyone that has a wedding proclaims their loyalty, don't they? But a loyal person, who can find? Divorce rates prove that this proverb is absolutely true. It's very rare to find this kind of person that I'm describing. I, Mark, take you, Letha, to be my wedded wife, to have and hold from this day forward. For better, for worse, richer, for poor, sickness and in health, adversity, prosperity, till death do us part. As long as we both shall live, right? We, we say these things. We proclaim our loyalty. But when our expectations are not met, disappointment starts to creep in. And you know disappointment is like, you get married and you're like, oh, you're not meeting all of my needs. And that disappointment might just turn to despair, like, it's not just that you're not meeting my needs, but you will never change. I mean, it's been year. I was hoping after the first week or year, you would start to change, but you're not. And that despair leads to divorce. Hey, I'm out. But think about it. Vows have nothing to do with them meeting our needs or them changing, or them making us happy. A vow is simply a declaration of my loyalty, my word. And Proverbs twenty-one twenty-one says, the one who pursues righteousness and faithful love, like if you do what I'm telling you right now, if you do not just what I'm telling you, but what Solomon, what God is telling you, Here's what will happen. You will find life, righteousness, and honor. I have a friend. They married, nobody in this room, don't worry about it. They married an exceptionally difficult person, a narcissist. Most people would have left that marriage. Most counselors would have said, 
Yeah, probably a pretty good reason. But 40 years later, the kids and grandkids are eating the good fruit of that spouse's faithful love. Proverbs 21, 21 is true that there is life, righteousness, and honor for those who are faithful. It's just how the universe has been created by God. I want you to rank yourself on here. Um, if you're not married, we can go back to the graphic. If, if you're not married, um, what I want you to do is, it, I want you to think of something hard that you stuck out or didn't stick out. Maybe you stuck out something really hard and you're like, you know what, I think I am. Like, I keep going. I keep showing up. Or maybe it's something when things get hard, you're out. Okay, so think of something. Um, then I want you to, um, in the second part, like as you think about the, the, like there's the you right now and maybe the you that has been, and that you that's like the next person toward keep showing up, like the you tomorrow, the you 2020, 2021, um, that you, you might want to think of a difficult situation in your life. Maybe it's a job. Maybe it's a class. Maybe it's, it's like something hard in your life, a person, and you're just going to like keep showing up. That's your thing. It's like, I'm just going to keep going. And here's the thing. Don't compare yourself. The enemy of faithfulness is comparison to culture, to friends, to your own ideal. There all those other happily married people on social media. It's so funny. There was a couple that was like posting these great pictures of themselves. And like a week later, they're divorced. We're like, what? What? I don't get it. I thought they had the perfect marriage, right? Like stop looking at that stuff and, and just focus on this. And maybe after getting on social media, you want to replace it with a book or something, a story about somebody who did something really hard and persevered. Like compare yourself to that person, like someone with some grit, someone with some like, they kept going and I can't believe they did, but they persevered. Something like that. Okay. That's all in the application. Again, you can work that out in connection groups or with your friends. All right. So the next one, Proverbs 5 verse 20. Proverbs 5 verse 20. Why, my son, be intoxicated with another man's wife? Why embrace the bosom of a wayward woman? Did he just say bosom? What does that mean? The bosom of a wayward woman is, it's her chest, okay? That's what her bosom is. Why would you do that? He's talking to his sons. Why would you touch her breasts, like some woman who's not your wife. Why would you do that? Verse 21, for your ways are in full view of the Lord and he examines all your paths. The evil deeds of the wicked ensnare them, the cords of their sins hold them fast. For lack of discipline, they will die, led astray by their own great folly. Oh, here's a great one. Uh, sexual compromise versus self-control. That's our next one. Sexual compromise Versus self-control. Many of you are doing this with sex. Like, I'm just going to, I'm just going to push the line. I'm just going to keep going. I know 
I'm just going to, really, I know this person's not my wife, but I mean, we love each other in our hearts. We're just going to start living together and, you know, we're not going to have sex. We're just going to live together. Uh, save rent, you know. Uh, and, and you just keep pushing and pushing and, oh, I'm, I'm married. There's this woman at work and we're just going to go grab lunch. Just, you know, just think, no big deal. Um, starts sharing problems about their marriage and one thing, going to the gym and this, uh, this woman that's there and like, See, the only reason it's not falling is because I'm holding on to it. Um, eventually, I, I can't hold on to it anymore. It's going to fall. That's sexual compromise. Again, Solomon here is speaking to his sons, but certainly this has application for men and women. What Solomon is saying is sexual passion, physical intimacy. The only right context for that is a marriage. Anything you do outside of that context, you are an idiot. You are a fool. He says, for lack of discipline, you will die. Most marital problems, I could ask a question about pornography. And most of the time, it will be a factor in the marital conflict. Verse 21 says, your ways are in full view of God. Remember that fear God thing? Someone who fears God knows that they are never alone, which is great news, and it's terrifying, depending on what you're watching, right? It, God knows uh, our thoughts, what we watch, and the fear of God knows that, that his opinion matters. He sees when you're alone, pushing the limits with your boyfriend, girlfriend, married people compromising, ending up in like intimate conversations with a coworker, or those, those types of things, just like being drawn into sexual compromise, those things that seem so small, like that's not a big deal. Uh, it's pushing toward foolishness. Here's a humbling thought for me. I don't know if it is for you, but according to Jesus in Matthew 5, the propensity toward adultery is in all of us. It's so funny. If you talk to my wife, I've heard her talk to people about this and it's hilarious because I'm like, you just have to know, Letha, but she'll tell, she'll tell women, oh, the only reason I'm not having an affair is I have boundaries. And you're like, it's, it's just kind of funny because Letha's is black and white. Just, yeah, I have boundaries and I'm just not going to spend time alone with guys. It's like my wife's like always wanting to have an affair. She just doesn't because she has boundaries. It's just hilarious how she says it. But I think what she's saying is like, like it's in all of us. It's in all of us. Like none of us are immune to this stuff. And she told me last night, she goes, I'm more likely to have self-control when I don't have to have self-control. Meaning, if you're somebody who's saying, you know, my girlfriend and I, we've just been super tempted lately. And I'm like, oh, well, what were you doing? He's like, yeah, it was like 1 a.m. We started the movie. And we're like, duh. <laughs> like, 
you're not being tempted. You're just being an idiot. Like, who's not tempted in that situation? Like, just don't put yourself in that situation, right? Um, so when we think about sexual compromise, it's like, the question is not like, how far can I get this to the edge without it falling off? It's like, how close can I get it to where God wants it? This is what the wise person does and how they think. So here's the question, where are you? Now this one, you might not want your neighbor to see. This one, it starts to get a little uncomfortable. Because if you're looking at pornography, nudity, people having sex, dude, just go ahead and put like a minus 15 or minus 100 because you are a fool and you will die if you continue down that path. Mark, you're being self-righteous. I'm just trying to be Solomon this morning and just tell you the truth about what you are doing. You should be terrified because it's not a book that's gonna fall off the ledge. It's your life that's gonna fall off the cliff. It's your marriage. It's your future. Maybe you're gonna put that mark for yourself. Um, so, but the great news is if you're minus 100, we're gonna move it over. We're gonna move to minus 99. We're gonna go from minus 10 to, to minus nine. Maybe that one step is just you need to tell somebody. You need to tell somebody. You need to confess that. Maybe you need to stop getting on social media and seeing what your old boyfriend from high school has been up to. Those compromises. The next one, a hot-tempered person stirs up conflict, but one slow to anger calms strife. A person's insight gives him patience, and his virtue is to overlook an offense. Number four is the fool is quick to anger, the wise is patient. Anger and rage destroys households. If you're trapped in a physically or verbally abusive relationship, then you need to tell somebody and we want to get you help. Um, this is one of those that if you're vulnerable, like uh, in a way that's like gonna actually, I mean, domestic violence is, is a huge problem in our culture. And what happens is hurt people hurt people, right? When what's, what happens when somebody like slaps you, punches you, not like this happens every day, but like what would happen, right? You, the first thing you want to do is hit them back. It's like somebody cuts me off in traffic. I need to get around and I need to look at them, right? It's like my son is driving. I'm in the passenger seat, you know, you got to, you know, getting their, uh, their learner's permit or whatever. And I'm like, son, speed up. I need to look at him. Uh, that's what we do. 
I don't like it that you did something to me. You invaded, and that's just like my space, whatever that is. Like you, you did something, and I'm going to get you back. Wise people don't do that. Wise people overlook offenses. A person's wisdom and insight gives them patience. I don't need to react to those words that you said that were meant to hurt me. I can just listen to them and understand that the emotion behind it and, and just hear and listen. And I don't need to snap back with words, oh, well, you always, you never do that. It, it's like that's a wise person is patient. Even if someone hits you or hurts you, you don't punch them back. That is foolish. And it's so easy in a marriage to be like, they are the problem. And you just get so mad at them because they're always hurting me. And Satan wants us to confuse us about who the enemy is. Your spouse is never the enemy. The enemy is Satan. He wants to divide your team. He wants to pull you apart. Like, identify the right enemy. It's not them. And if you're going to be mad at someone, be mad at sin. Be mad at Satan. But love that person that's saying and doing hurtful things to you. And one slow to anger calms strife and conflict. Okay, there's a couple more that I'm not going to get to. We don't have time. But let me just end with a couple objections that you might be thinking about. Uh, Objection number one here as we wrap up is that um, you, you might be thinking, you didn't really hit on our marital struggles. Or I'm single and this doesn't apply to me. Um, okay, here, here's what I want to say to that. First of all, um, you, you know, you might think, hey, my, our problem is that they are always spending money that we don't have. Like, I can't get a hold of the credit card. I mean, it's, it's a mess, our money situation. Or maybe it's this person is lazy, like they're not pulling, whatever. Okay, proverb, I picked a few. And there's two more that I skipped. There's, this is a treasure chest of wisdom. I mean, this is a treasure chest of gold and wisdom. And that if you will apply yourself to understanding and acquiring wisdom, it will lead to life. Even eternal life, the kind of life that goes on forever and has fruit forever. So I want to encourage you uh, to, to go there. Number two, the second objection to this, as you're listening to this, you're like, Mark, you know what this sounds like? This sounds like self-help. I feel like I just got a self-help TED talk this morning. Okay, here's, here's what I want to say to you. Here's the truth. If we think we're like on the scale somehow, we're, it's actually... When you knew this, right? It's worse than we think. It's worse than we think. The Bible says there is no one righteous. There's not a single person that's even a minus 10. Like we're all minus a thousand or whatever in every way. The Bible says our righteous deeds, those areas that we feel like we're on the plus side, our righteous deeds are like filthy rags before God. He is holy. He is unlike us. 
But here's the great news. Here's the great news for those of you that are all minus tens. Here's the great news for you that are like hopeless in your marriage. Or you're feeling like I'm single and I can never be married because I'm all minus tens. I have incredible news for you this morning. Here's the great news. The good news for you is Hebrews 10, 14. By one sacrifice, the cross, Good Friday, Easter, by one sacrifice, what has he done? What did Jesus do? He has made perfect forever. He's made you plus 10 in every way. And he's done that forever. Like your future is you are holy. You are made perfect. You are the perfect spouse. You have no sin. That's greatness. That's what Jesus Christ did for you. This is not a self-help talk. This is the opposite of a self-help talk, right? This is grace-empowered living. This is that Jesus Christ has come into my life and now he has saved me and he's given me his Holy Spirit and he has made me holy. And look at what the second part says. He has made perfect forever. That's like past tense. He has done this. He's made perfect forever. Those who are what? Being made holy. This is the paradox of the Christian life. How can you have these two things? What is it? Am I holy or am I not holy? Am I holy or am I being made holy? It's like, yes. Jesus Christ has forgiven you and saved you and you are holy. And what he is doing in you while you are still on this earth is he is forming Christ in you. If you are a Christian, it is about who you are becoming. You are becoming more like Jesus. And if you're actually a minus 10 Jesus Christ is moving you this way. And so it's okay if you're a minus 10. Like, welcome to the club. The goal is we're just a group of people walking this way toward wisdom. Okay, so what I want to say, and here's what this, the Proverbs are not do better, be better, try harder. No, they're a vision of who Jesus is. Colossians 2 says, in Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. When we see him, we'd be like, whoa, that's what patience was. Whoa, that's what faithful love was. Whoa, that's what it meant to be a listener and not quarrelsome. Whoa, that's what it meant to be pure. That's what it meant to be selfless. I can't wait to see him. If you're single, and you're here like, yeah, that's good, but I'm actually, the question that I really have from Proverbs is, I'm trying to find the right person. Can you help me find the right person? Um, just a quick spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Uh, that person does not exist. The right person, it, they don't live on planet Earth. So marriage is not about finding the right person. It's about becoming 
the right kind of person. And it's not about finding someone with shared interests and hobbies and this perfect person that's gonna be compatible with you. It's about finding someone who's walking in the same direction as you. They are becoming, and they don't have, they could be minus tens, but they're, they're going this way. And so are you. I'm like, I, I know, but okay, I found that person. They're following Jesus. They, they got some flaws and whatever. And I just don't know, is it God's will that I marry them? Here's how you know for sure it's God's will that you marry them. Marry them. Then you'll know for sure it was God's will. Like, what do you know? We're married. That must have been God's will. And so then you just stay faithful the rest of your life. Okay. Um, if you're married and you're saying like, but I married, here's the thing. I married the wrong person. Here's what, newsflash. You are the wrong person. They're thinking the same thing about you, Right? So what you need to do is you need to look at this graph and say, how is my sin the greatest problem in our marriage? And if you have two people doing that, and they're going to have a great marriage. This would be a great conversation. What I want you to do for your homework is I want you to take, some, I want you to take this home and I want you to have somebody fill this out for you. Could you imagine? No, and you tell them, be honest. And I promise that I will not argue with you, right? Like, I may not agree with all the marks that you gave me, but I'm at least going to accept that that's what you think about me. And I'm gonna try to learn something from that, okay? I, I'm giving that application and I don't know if I'm gonna do it. But for those of us or you that are very brave, you should try that. I think that would be fun. Okay, let's pray. Jesus, we love you, and we want to be more like you, and we can't wait till that wedding day when we actually get a perfect groom, the wedding feast of the Lamb. Thank you that it's not our good works and our effort that gets us there, but it's your grace. We love you, Jesus. Can't wait to see you be transformed when we will see you as you are. We love you in your name. Amen.